This is an ABC podcast. True Cult with Alex Bonniewell. There's nothing that I like better than a really good ghost story. Whether it's huddled around a campfire with your back to the dark, there's just something creepy and captivating about hearing or telling a good ghost story. But if you look back at the depiction of ghosts in those early films, it often featured the spectral ghouls in a humorous or sentimental light. There are a few notable exceptions, of course, like 1944's The Uninvited, which many see as the first time a film showed a ghost as an entity that weren't played for comedy. But it wasn't until the 1970s that ghosts really began to become a force of terror on the big screen. And more recently, there's been a big surge in the popularity of ghost stories on the small and big screens with the likes of The Conjuring, The Nun and the recent Netflix series The Haunting of Hill House. Now, True Cult with Alex Bonniewell is telling you... With a look at some of the best ghost story cinema has to offer. Now, Alex, you seem unaffected by many of the topics that we do, particularly when it comes to your own real life. But this is one topic that you admit to being a little frightened of. Uh, it's, it's weird. I don't know what it is about ghost stories, but I, I do get ghost goosebumps, ghost bumps, goosebumps when I watch ghost, <laughs> ghost stories. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, I've no idea why. I, it's the only thing that kind of creeps me out big time with movies. Um, and, and for that, I love it. I like being scared by horror movies and stuff. And it's, it's an added bonus where you get the hairs on your arms standing up. And yeah, and ghost stories do it for me. So I think that's why I've got a, a bit of an affection for them. Cause, you know, and, but, you know, they are best watched in the middle of the night with all the lights out in dead silence. Well, Alex, what's the first film haunting on your list? Ah, this will be one of the first movies I saw on the subject. This is 1982. This is, this is a classic. This is Poltergeist. The house looks just like the one next to it. And the one next to that. And the one next to that. A young couple live in it with their three children. And something more. That trailer is enough to scare you. <laughs> I, I seriously got all the hairs on my arms stood up when Carol Ann says they're here. I was like, oh, there we go. <laughs> so this is directed by the late, great Toby Hooper, who did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was written and produced by Steven Spielberg, even though the trailer kind of suggests he's more involved with it than that. And to be honest, I think he probably was there's I think he was probably on set giving Toby a few hints on directing because it, it kind of looks like a Spielberg movie. 
So, as the trailer says, the Frulings, mum, dad, three kids, all live in this idyllic suburban new build housing complex where all the streets are the same, all the houses are the same. Dad, Steve, is the local real estate agent for the area, selling the suburban dream of fresh lawns, whitewashed houses and friendly community-based living. As well as selling houses, he is the best in the company. They are having a pool dug in their garden because, you know, they, they've been there a while now and he wants to upgrade. So cue cheeky tradies and an older daughter who can handle the cat calls. But all is not good in, in their paradise as one day they find their youngest daughter, Carol Ann, played superbly by Heather O'Rourke, talking to the static on the TV screen late at night and uttering those famous words, they're here. The TV people, it seems, have leaked into the house. Um, what starts off as slightly odd and amusing activities like chair stacking and being pulled across the floor by an invisible source quickly escalates and the poltergeist activity means that Carol Ann is sucked into the neverwhere, somewhere, somewhere between real life and the afterlife. So our family has to try and get her back. They bring in all sorts of parapsychologists to work out what's going on and there's some excellent 80s practical effects some are better than others but it's still so cool to see them great performances all around especially from zelda rubenstein who plays the diminutive tangina who's the spirit cleanser who comes to the house to rescue carol ann this film has been referenced so many times from the simpsons outwards and you'll never look at an old tree or a toy clown in the same way again after watching Poltergeist. This is truly a classic of 80s horror. And like I say, it's probably one of the first sort of big ghost story movies I saw. And it, I think it probably terrified me the first time I watched it. <laughs> watching this for the first time, I couldn't work out how they did so many things in it. I couldn't work out. There's one point where the, the mum gets thrown up the bedroom wall and across the ceiling. And I was just sitting there going, how have they done this? I can't see wires. I don't know what's going on. And the special effects are, like saying, places are beautiful. There's a great hallucination in the bathroom mirror, which just freaked me out first time I saw it. The, the, the weirdest effect that just creeped me out the best so was the crawling stake across the countertop. Oh, yes. That, that, I, I, I found the most bizarre and unsettling thing in the whole movie. It was like, oh, that's just wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't praise this film enough. I, I've not gone near the remake at all. One day I will I have, have to. I have and been down there. Look, it had Sam Rockwell. So I'm always up for watching a bit of Sam Rockwell. Yeah. I didn't mind it, but I'm a Zelda fan. Yeah. So, yeah, so can kind of see both versions of them and what they what they bring and yeah i mean i would say go there i think you've got to go there to to know whether you are a fan or not yeah. it's interesting that drew barrymore could have ended up as carol ann in this but steven spielberg wanted someone who was more angelic which is why heather o'rourke got it but the audition that drew barrymore did for this landed her et ah there you go mm. but, you know I, I can kind of see drew barrymore in it because she would have been like the same age as Heather O'Rourke in this. But yeah, and I think her portrayal of Carol Ann would have been slightly more precocious. Carol Ann, in, played by Heather O'Rourke, is, is a very sweet child. And that's what, I think that's what got people when this first came out, is that you, the main character in this, the one that has the most to lose, is the youngest and most innocent out of the whole family. 
This is ABC Radio. I'm Rihanna Patrick and True Cult with Alex Bonniewell is getting his spook on and sharing a few of the ghost films that left him haunted. And Alex, this doesn't have a lot of English, in fact, no English in the trailer, but let's go there anyway. Alex, what is rigor mortis? <laughs> so this is a, a Hong Kong ghost story from 2013. Um, this is director Juno Max's debut, and it was co-produced by J-horror icon Takeshi Shimizu, who did the Grudge movie. <laughs> and it reunites a huge chunk of actors from the Mr. Vampire franchise, which we've talked about before in our Vampire True Cult. What we have here is we have a divorced and down his luck actor, Chin Si Hu, played by action star Su Hu Chin, who's been in loads of 80s martial arts movies and stuff. So he, he moves into this crumbling and grey tenement building. And the apartment he moves into has been vacant for a while because it's got a pretty nasty history, that being the previous occupants were twins who committed suicide inside the unit. And of course, they're still, still there. They're restless and out for revenge. But they're not the only spirits in the building. There's some real nasties hidden within the units and the stairwells, including a ghostly vampire brought back from the dead by the building's resident necromancer Gao, played by Fat Chong. He's got some amazingly creepy special effects. Um, the ghosts have these fantastic tendril-like ectoplasms kind of oozing off them as they move around the rooms doing what they do. The building itself is another character. It's all decay and detritus, but it's still a community hub. But and and in it, they have to deal with these restless spirits. So you're not sure whether or not everyone in the building is actually living, or this might be purgatory or an afterlife. It's it's kind of quite ambiguous because you you're not entirely sure. Because one of the characters is a is a small boy who's albino and he's got white hair. And in a lot of Chinese ghost stories, ghosts have white hair. There's like a famous series called The Bride with White Hair, which is about a ghostly bride, and she's pale with long white hair. So you've got all these references to Chinese legends and ghosts and stuff, and apparently that that's what they did within the movie. They they took various aspects of so Chinese, like Chinese ghost mythology. stories. Yeah, apparently you get different ghosts depending on how people died. But if you don't know that, it doesn't matter because it's still a really cool movie. It looks fantastic. Like I say, the ghosts are really good and very weird. The ghostly vampire looks brilliant. He's got this kind of weird face mask made of old Chinese coins with holes in the middle. So it's like chain mail. So he looks tremendously creepy anyway, even though you can't see his face. Really, really interesting movie. It's, it's, very, it's a very different film to, to various other Asian ghost stories that I've really enjoyed, stuff like The Eye, The Grudge. So there's aspects from all these different movies within this. There's a nice little homage to The Shining as well, using the twin sisters, oh, which nice. is really cool to see. I'm not sure if this is available in Australia. I've got uh, my copy from the UK, but it's worth hunting out. If you're looking for an Asian ghost story with a slightly different tack, then this is where you need to go. I mean, if, if you think you've seen all the the Japanese or Korean or even Hong Kong ghost stories, then try rigor mortis because it's very, very different. But it was cool to include this because it's so different to the others. 
Ghosts are real. That much I know. I've seen them all my life. Edith, this is my sister. I don't think she's the right choice. You have to trust me. Thomas, your bride is frozen. I run you a hot bath. A house as old as this one becomes in time a living thing. Never go below this level. If you're here with me, give me a signal. She knows everything. I'm Rihanna Patrick, and if you've just joined me, True Cult with Alex Bonniewell is sharing the ghost films that had their hairs on the back of his neck standing up. And Alex, a film which I understand Guillermo del Toro wanted it to look like a giallo film from Mario Brava, and it's kind of got this use of Technicolor and a bit of Italian Gothic in it? Oh, yeah, this is Crimson Peak from 2015. I viewed it much more as a tribute to Gothic Hammer Horrors as opposed to the Italian movies. But it's kind of like, now you've mentioned it, I can see it's kind of like a mixture of the two. In the trailer, you heard Edith's voice saying that she's always seen ghosts. And the first one she sees is a mother shortly after a mother's death. And the spectral appearance of a mother is just... It, uh, <laughs> we didn't <laughs> Alex is freaking out. <laughs> I don't know what it is with like, kind of a, having kind of weird stuff floating off ghosts. It just makes me just... Uh, and of course... Her mother's all in black veil. The ghost is black. And it's so she has seen ghosts all her life. Her surname's Cushing, which makes me think that this is much more of a hammer horror. Yes, that's what I was wondering as well <laughs> when I realised that. Link. Because Edith is played by uh, Mia Vashakovska, an Australian actress. But, yeah, I was wondering the same thing because I hadn't made that connection until you said, hey, let's do Crimson Peak. And then I was like, oh, Edith Cushing, Cushing. Yeah, she <laughs> she's now grown up and she's uh, she wants to be an author. Uh, she wants to write kind of romantic ghost stories. And she keeps getting rejected because they're too fluffy, apparently. Um, her father is a, a self-made man. He's, he's an industrialist and he's got a quite a vast kind of business empire. Um, and he's visited by Thomas Sharp, played by the rather dandy Tom Hiddleston along with his sister, Lucille Sharp, played by Jessica Chastain, come to America to try and get funding for their new excavating machine that can dig up the crimson clay that their mansion sits upon. He gets heard out at the meeting of the shareholders of the company, but he's also been found out that he's been trying a long time to secure money for his project and been rejected all the way through. And he's tried various schemes and they've all failed and he's trying to in in the best english way describe this would be the best opportunity for everyone in the room to invest in but he kind of gets roundly told to like you know maybe not but you know hang around come to dinner meet the family meet the (laughs) friends kind of thing because you know people don't want to be impolite but they kind of got that kind of slightly passive aggressive feel to it all (laughs) thomas sees a way of getting in with dad by trying to woo Edith. Dad doesn't think this is a good idea and tells Thomas to sling his hook. But the next day, cue Del Toro's signature head trauma. And uh, 
<laughs> and daddy's no more. So Edith is back with Thomas and he, whisk, he marries her and whisks her off to England to live in his mansion, which sounds delightful until they get there. And it's this big crumbling Gothic architecture with a big hole in the roof, which has perpetual snow and leaves falling through it. So it looks, it looks this amazingly fantastical world within this house. It, it looks like the lair in Pan's Labyrinth kind of mixed with the house that bled to death from the Hammer House of Horror film because the red clay oozes up through the foundations of the house and drips out of the pipes and everything. So you've got that linked to the Hammer Horror as well. When Edith is there, she starts to see all the ghosts that are in the house and they are fantastically creepy and they move in the most awesome way. Like all Del Toro's move, he's got this palette and this way of designing stuff mm, that you know immediately it's him especially with the ghosts you're like oh because he hinted at at the ghosts and with the kind of floaty weirdness that comes off them in um devil's backbone and now he's kind of gone all out in crimson peak to make all this kind of weird stuff float off them and they're and they're very in various stages of decomposition or the way they move is just insanely good very weird and it's kind of it's this kind of weird slow smoothness and judderiness at the same time that's just creeps you up it's kind of similar to the movements of the girl in the ring when she comes out of the tv oh yeah that's sort of very kind of it's as though they're breaking bones as they're coming out i don't know it's really it's very disjointed it's not a smooth situation at all but then they'll suddenly they'll get it all together and there'll be this beautiful glide to them and then it will just kind of glitch again and they'll be yeah the film tells you that Edith will communicate with the ghosts as she has with her mother's ghost previously and work out what's going on in this this weird gothic love story that's encapsulated within Crimson Peak. It's a beautiful film, um, as, as all of Del Toro's are, and it's got the right amount of creepiness and ickiness to it, and it's especially the demise of Edith's father, is a real like, oh, it's like the scene in Pan's Labyrinth with the wine bottle. You don't see it coming. And when it does, you're like, oh, my word, that was just, <laughs> okay, <laughs> right, we've got that out of the way. Because it, it's, it's advertised as this very kind of, like I say, Victorian sort of near melodrama with ghosts in it. But it's got some pretty full-on moments in there well, too. Well, because you were just talking about The Ring, Alex, if it wasn't for my producer sitting across from me, I'm slightly feeling that right now. <laughs> I'm just freaking myself out a little bit here. But I need to re-watch Crimson Peak because I just felt there was something missing and I can't put my finger on it, but I just felt like I wanted more. Oh, no, I understand. I, I put off watching it for a long time. I'd heard very middling reports about it. But when I did watch it, I think it's because of my love of that gothic hammer horror stuff. I just saw that immediately in it. I'm much more of a fan of Thomas and Lucille Sharp in the movie rather than Edith Cushing. I, I find her character a bit too twee. Yeah, right. And a bit too kind of like, oh, I'm in love with an English guy. We're going to live in the countryside yeah. in this lovely <laughs> mansion. Oh, with it's bleeding. <laughs> with his sister. Oh, uh, and I can't go through the whole house. Okay, never mind. Oh, I'll drink tea. You all drink tea here. Tea's lovely. Okay. But <laughs> it's like Thomas and Lucille are brilliant. I, I particularly like Lucille's character. She, she's yeah. got that real kind of dark, gothic villainess to her. 
I'm Rihanna Patrick. This is ABC Radio. And if you've just joined me, Tricot with Alex Bonniewell is sharing the ghost films that really got the hair standing up on the back of his neck. And this film is definitely one of them. Alex, another film tonight which I have never seen, and obviously the trailer is in Spanish. What's this one called? This is KM31 from 2006. This is from Mexico, directed by Rigoberto Castaneda. This is a much more traditional ghost story. And this is the one that when rewatching, because I'd, I'd rewatched all the films, I know what's happening, but this one gave me the goosebumps rewatching it because it's got that <laughs> feel to it. So while traveling to a twin sister's place, Agatha, played by Ileana Fox, who also plays her sister Catalina in this because they're twins, at the K31 kilometer marker on the road, a boy runs out in front of the car. She hits him. But when she goes back to check on him, he isn't quite what she thought he was. Cute, creepy kid with black eyes, and he's obviously a disturbed spirit. As soon as the kid opens his eyes and the pupils went to black, all the hairs on my arm stood up, and I was like, oh, not again. <laughs> <laughs> so the sister, Catalina, knows something's happened. She's got that kind of twin psychic link. She rushes out to find her sister unconscious and in a deep coma. Her boyfriend, Nuno, and friend Omar start to try and work out what went on at this crash site. And they find out there's a whole host of supernatural goings on have happened at this section of the road. And of course, the more they find out, the more dangerous and creepier it gets. This film has got a really cool atmosphere to it. It's got this kind of unrelentingly creepy undertone to it. So even when they're not in the place where stuff happens you're still waiting for things to come into their lives and affect them. And and the longer the, the movie goes on, the more it creeps in underneath everything and starts to get to them one by one. As the film progresses, well, it kind of turns into a statement of how advancing civilization has encroached on the old worlds. Rivers have been replaced by roads. Forests have been replaced by buildings open plains have been replaced by cities but the things that they were there before are now trapped and the only way they can be seen is to come out as spirits and act out their revenge on the people who have taken away their old world it's kind of weird because it's got this really weird kind of old european style to it but some very asian storytelling as well so when when i watch this i can see lots of the, the japanese horror influence in it but I can also see those Italian and, again, those kind of British ghost story movies. So this is this really cool blending of cinematic styles. This is one of the movies that I bought over from the UK with me. I don't know if it's available over here. I really hope it is. I really hope that people can find it because it's well worth seeing. If you, say, if you've seen ghost stories before then, and you like that kind of creepiness, then you need to find KM31 and check it out. I've not seen the sequel um, yeah, I'm I didn't really, even know there was a sequel. No, I, was, I wasn't sure either until I was going back and finding out some info on, on this movie. And I was like, oh, they made a sequel. It's, it's got some pretty harsh reviews on IMDb. But 
you know, I'm still curious to see how they're going to push the story forward with it. But yeah, oh, this to say this this out of all the films I've rewatched tonight, this is the one that creeped me out the most, and I and I love it for that that I can still watch a film that I've seen like three or four times before, and I can still get the the shivers from it. Well, Alex, like the family in Amityville Horror, we've packed up the car and we're about to uh, split off into the distance. <laughs> but before we head off, uh, what new releases have you got? We've only got a couple this month, both from Madman. And we've got the excellent Weird Love Triangle, An Evening with Beverly Luff-Lynn, and Peter Dinklage and Elle Fanning in The Last Person on Earth, I Think We're Alone Now. And of course, if you want to see the trailers for all the movies we've talked about tonight, head over to facebook.com slash truecultmovies. And Alex, next month we're taking a look at... Oh, we, we've got a, got a sequel to one of our previous true cults, which is true cult-tastic. And we're doing Animals on the Loose 2. That was Alex Bonniewell with True Cult. And if you'd like to hear more about those new releases, you can find the True Cult New Releases podcast up now at abc.net.au slash abcre or by searching for it on the ABC Listen app and you can search for it under Rihanna Patrick. This is Rihanna Patrick on ABC Radio.